Hey, this is John. Let's Talk Native is now on Patreon. You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash letstalknative. We will be producing exclusive content for our Patreon supporters. Thanks for checking us out. Let's Talk Native is produced at the LTN Studios on the Cattaraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation. We break all the rules for Native media by peeling back the layers of assimilation and indoctrination. No prayers, no buffalo speeches, and no spirituality shows. While this podcast does not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do take a tough look at history, oppression, and our survival. But the real goal here is to bring our people together by breaking down what separates us. So, welcome to Let's Talk Native with John Kane. Welcome to the program. Uh, so, Sunday night, we hear that the uh, Cleveland Major League Baseball team is dropping its name that they've had since like 1915 or something like that. So, I'm going, going back quite a ways. And it, it, it's kind of um, interesting. I just went back to my old high school last week uh, on Thursday to speak in front of the Board of Education about their mascot, which ironically or <laughs> coincidentally is the Indians as well. And you know, just to have this debate uh, about using this word, um, the appropriateness of it and the whole appropriation issue, and to have to have this debate at a high school level when professional teams that have a lot more, you know, at stake, a lot more interest in keeping these names. They are all of a sudden becoming more, and I want to be careful here, <laughs> more responsible, uh, socially responsible than many of these high schools are. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, whether you're talking about the Washington football team or the, the Cleveland baseball team, they aren't making this decision because they all of a sudden got consciences. I mean, they, they're doing this because of financial interests. And the response that um, sponsors and, you know, and you know, other financial interests in these teams, what they're responding to is the, is the call to social justice. In the, in the wake of the George Floyd murder, um, the Breonna Taylor murder, I mean, so many of the things that have, that have been demonstrated in terms of racial equity problems in the United States, that's what these are, these are responses to. I mean, I mean, we haven't seen this level of, of impact on things like this in decades. And look, the issue fighting the, the Cleveland uh, baseball team's name is something that's been going on forever. I mean, it's been going on for literally for 50, you know, for 50 years. Same with the, with the Washington football team. And to a large extent, these teams have dug in on this thing. Although I will say that, that Cleveland over the last year has moved away. They, they, they've at least acknowledged that their logo was, you know, was, you know, not just cartoonish, but buffoonish. And, and they, and they began to move away from that. And they started concentrating more on the sea as a part of their uniform and their hat rather than, than their chief Wahoo you know, logo and that kind of stuff. But, but really, and this has been a hard issue to push 
And and part of the issue is because people become so emotionally attached to these things. And, and look, I'm seeing this in in, in high school battles, um, seeing it even play out even in some of the college issues. There are still people out in Champaign, Illinois, fighting like hell to to keep their their chief Illinois um, uh, mascot relevant in at the University of Illinois. I mean, it's. It's gone. It's done. It's behind you. And yet there are people that still insist. And there are, you know, organizations that look, look to find any native voice or, or face <laughs> that they can to prop up and say, oh, it'll see, they, they like it. They think it's fine. You know, and as I watched some of this stuff over Cleveland play out, and of course, look, once this announcement got out there and and all of these posts got put up from the various news outlets, including the New York Times, the threads that followed, if you've read any of them, I mean, it's just crazy because white people are losing their minds over this thing. <laughs> it is really amazing. I mean, to listen to people say, oh, great. Now how are my kids going to learn about Native history? Really? Are you honestly, is anybody honestly going to suggest that in the absence of being used for mascots, that, that we become irrelevant because of that? And that somehow these mascots have in any way, shape, or form contributed to any awareness about Native peoples? Really? I mean, it, 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 it is absurd to think that some goofy cartoon logo which I'm mocking here with my, with my t-shirt, by the way, that, that this somehow, is, does this contribute to, you know, to telling the story of white people or Caucasians? Of course not. It doesn't. And so it, it's a, it is absurd when I, when I just read through some of those. I mean, and you can't read too many of them because you, you'll start to lose your own mind. Um, but this is what, you know, I've seen this play out. Look, some of the news coverage of, of my trip out to Cambridge, New York last week. Same thing, the threads. I mean, some of the stuff that people are saying, are, are, it, it just lets you know that this, that this isn't just about ignorance. Because ignorance is the absence of, of knowledge on a given subject. And you could teach, right? You, you could enlighten people. But when you get to this level of willful ignorance that exists, where people just want to reject any sense so whether it comes from a native person who says no that's 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 offensive oh no it's not offensive i'm going to tell you it's not offensive and i'm white and i know better <laughs> i mean then you get then you get the few you know and i want to say a few you you get the the ever increasing n number of of people who claim to have native ancestors well i'm native and i'm okay with it and then you and you and you see what you know if you if you bother looking at the kinds of people who are making these comments they are people who have absolutely no connection to native people. I mean, you, you see this play out, you know, look, look even back in, again, my, my old hometown, my high school hometown, there's a family of native people there that, that I know and I, I'm actually related to. They have a completely different view because they love being the token native. They, they, they love being the mascot. In fact, they're being used for it. Some of the old White guys in the town are saying, oh, you guys need to take lead on this. We, we need to put you out in front. They, you know, this poor young guy who, who doesn't know any better. I mean, he doesn't have any native, you know, culture, uh, you know, cultural understanding, really. I mean, his, his parents are enrolled members of the Onondaga Nation, but he doesn't have any real connection. And he's being pushed to the forefront of this thing. And it's, it's actually kind of, you know, it's embarrassing and it's sad, actually. But... 
the way native people get used in these debates is, you know, it, it actually it actually makes the case, you know, for those of us who are saying that this is wrong, just seeing how native people get used in this debate, it just it just continues to, you know, to, to feed into what is so wrong about this idea of predominantly non-native schools, you know, uh, um, teams, organizations appropriating a native image uh, you know a word or a name that references us in some way shape or form not directly but in some way shape or form and then and then you know grabbing onto some stereotypical image or or some buffoonish image or whatever but to do any of that stuff and then make the argument that that somehow this is meant to honor us I mean, it, it clearly isn't even about us. And you can tell because you, the, watching the, these white people lose their minds over this stuff is, is just incredible. And, you know, look, and I got to give credit. I got to give credit to, the, uh, to the, the Cleveland, I hate to say it, but the, the, the Indian Center, the, the Native American Center in Cleveland. The, again, the overuse of the word, the American Indian Movement, AIM uh, chapter there for for really taking, you know, taking a strong stance on this and, and fighting this thing for decades. I mean, for decades. Yeah. I, my advice to any of these organizations, it's time to drop the word. I mean, let's get rid of the word Indian and stop using it in any way, shape or form for us. <clears throat> Look, I know the federal government still has the Bureau of Indian Affairs, but you know, that's there. They, they, that's them grabbing that. We don't have to accept that. You know, I mentioned even as I spoke out in, in my old high school that the Seneca Nation, they don't even refer to themselves as the Seneca Nation of Indians anymore. Why? Because it's for one thing, if you accept the word, it's redundant. If you don't accept the word, then why have it as a part of your name? It doesn't make any sense. So they're actually moving away. They, they, they refer to themselves as the Seneca Nation or as the Onondawaga, their own word for who they are. But this whole thing is just, it's incredible to watch it play out. I mean, it's not like people didn't know this was coming. You know, Cleveland had let them know that it was coming. You know, the real, you know, thunderbolt was when the Washington football team did it because that was a little bit out of the blue. Although I say it was out of the blue for Washington. What was leading up to it was were companies like FedEx who sponsors their stadium and uh, saying, well, we have a problem with this. And then you started seeing companies like Amazon, retailers like Amazon and Walmart and Target, Nike. So the pressure mounted there, but you know, when you, when you have the owner of the football team, Dan Snyder saying, um, I will never change the name and you can put that and you can print that in caps. Yeah. You know, just never say never. That's all I could say. And, and like I said, there was some indications early on that, that Cleveland was debating the use of this name and that, that they were going to, that, that, that's an announcement like this was coming. Now, the official announcement hasn't really come yet, um, or maybe it's come as I'm speaking. I don't know. But uh, this this was covered by many major news outlets, um, not just native newspapers, but, you know, like I said, uh, I, I think CNN. I heard I heard it on NPR today um, I, or, or yesterday. Yeah, I guess it was yesterday. Um, I saw the New York Times article. And I'll, and I got to tell you, first thing I did was I I took those articles and I sent them off to uh, to the Cambridge Central School Board of Education. Say, all right, how many is it going to take? 
how many is it going to take before high schools do what is so, you know, look, and, and again, keep in mind, these schools are supposed to teach children. They should be farther out front in being um, socially aware. They, I mean, as far as racial equity and social justice, look, I'm not saying that they, that they, they have to encourage, um, you know, movements necessarily, but I, they should not be as entrenched in some of these bad practices. And, and once it's, it's noted that, yeah, you know, you're participating in something that is becoming increasingly controversial, they should be on the front end of changing these things. Now, having said that, make no mistake about it, many schools have. And, uh, you know, I'll give credit to the NCAA. They, the NCAA, um, the, the governing body over uh, you know, collegiate sports, they stepped up way earlier than pro teams did, most pro teams, and certainly way earlier than high schools did. And for the most part, there is a fairly broad um, prohibition against college teams using native mascots. And this is coming out of the 60s and, and, be, and you know, the late 60s, some of this change was coming. And, you know, while there's still a few schools that have like, and, and again, everybody points out to the uh, points out Florida State. Florida State still calls themselves the Seminoles. They have some sort of agreement with the the Seminoles of Florida, although the, the Seminoles of Oklahoma uh, still vehemently oppose uh, the use of the that name by the by Florida State. But um, you know, for the most part, this has been prohibited across collegiate uh, collegiate sports. But high schools, there's still something like. 2,200, over, over 2,000 high schools in the United States that have native mascots. And, you know, some of them are, you know, are, are, have really high concentrations. And, and I do have to say, I still do give a bit of a pass to native school, you know, schools that have, you know, that are on native territory that, that use some of these names. I'm not crazy about it, especially the ones that still use things like Redskin, you know, or, you know, or Savage or any of these words that seem really inappropriate. And, and I wish they would change, but, you know, I kind of take it in the, in, to some extent, like the use of the N word by, by black people. Look, if they want to own that word and, 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 and take ownership of it and then use it, whether it's in song or, or hip hop or, or whatever, you know, or in, in their own vernacular, that's entirely up to And I'm not going to condemn somebody for doing that. I mean, it seems almost inappropriate for anybody who's not of that, that you know, group to condemn somebody's use of, uh, use of a word. But, but again, as a native person, I would just assume not be have native people be used as mascots even by you know that that's that'd be my choice but when it comes to non-native organizations like like pro teams that are certainly not owned by native people although there's i think there's a, lacro a couple of lacrosse teams that may be um <laughs> but as, as far as these these major you know major you know professional teams football baseball basketball no, you should not be using native people for your, you know, for your mascots. I, I mean, and, and that, I don't think that's even a debate anymore, or certainly shouldn't be. But in the, the fact that we still have high schools that struggle with this stuff. And, you know, and here's the, here's the difference. You know, look, a professional team can respond to certainly just respond to financial interests. I mean, and they can make that. And 
regardless of their fans and their fans could raise hell and that kind of stuff, but their fans aren't going to, aren't going to bail on them because they changed their name. They, they, they really aren't. And the fans don't have any direct input. They aren't going to, you know, vote off some sort of, you know, board of directors or, or the CEO out of office. I mean, they're, they're not, you know, there's a couple of teams. I think they have some stake in the teams. I think like green Bay or something like that, I guess. I don't know, but no, I mean, the fans don't have any say in it. See, the difference with high schools is that the decision to eliminate or retire a native mascot falls on the, the boards of education of a school. Now, they are elected by the township, by the people in, in that school district. So if they do something that somehow pisses off <laughs> a, a large group of that, uh, you know, of, of that electorate, then, yeah, they can be voted off the board. You know, so... Do they have to balance their obligation to do right by appeasing the, the people who may or may not vote for them in the next election? I look, I think as a school board member, let's, we're not talking about somebody who's getting paid $100,000 a year for this position here. But as a school board member, it seems to me your, I mean, not just your priority, but your responsibility, you may be accountable to your township, but the people that you're supposed to be serving are the students. And, and, and of course it's not just about being elected into the school board. The other thing that, and I've seen this play out where uh, a school board takes a position against the mascot necessary. And now they're being threatened by the next school budget, not being passed. So, I mean, it's, there is no no schools have opened this debate up to a uh, up to a public referendum to make the decision for them. They haven't done that, and that would be inappropriate. I mean, there's no way that could be appropriate. First off, if you're asking why, because if you're in a town that has a native mascot, you are not going to weigh in. You know, take in all that information about well, what's happening in the rest of the world. You know, because frankly, in your town, you're going to put your walls up and say, well, I don't care what happens out there. Um, you're also not going to weigh in any kind of, you know, um, consultant or, you know, trade group that studied the impacts this has on children. No, you're just going to say, no, I grew up with this and I still want it. And this is about me living my high school years over and over and over again by, by maintaining my connection to that mascot. So look, if you put this to a town referendum, they're not going to evaluate this thing and, and all the relevant information. They're going to vote entirely on their emotions. The school board, however, they do have a responsibility. They have a responsibility to bring in the information, to assess that information, and by all means, know how your township feels about it. And, you know, the, the, the part that, that, that kind of sucks is if they have to weigh in backlash as a part of their decision-making process, that's terrible. If you've got to weigh in the backlash that you're going to feel when it comes to school budget votes, you know, or your, your tenure on the board, I guess. Well, that's unfortunate because, you know, the, the people who, who put you into those positions <clears throat> shouldn't put you in those positions because you do have the ability to gather information and make relevant decisions based on the information that's been gathered. And if you do that and then you get punished for it, well, then that says something more about your town, I guess. So, but, but again, I understand the difference and, and, and the resistance that some of these high schools have has to do with this 
this sentiment that some of the usually the loudest voices in the community ha, uh, you know uh, put out there and and look i remember when we were battling this thing in lancaster there were a couple of old cheerleaders who who literally got on fox news and i don't mean the local fox affiliate they were on fox national i mean and they were on there you know again the, with the same old, you know, sound bites. Oh yeah, this is uh, political correctness run amok, and you know, a cancel culture wasn't one of the words, these expressions they threw up back there. But but they throw up all this this same old stuff that you know that you know this is you know just political correctness run amok, and that um, you know this the whole thing with you know calling anybody who who opposes this snowflakes or you know whatever the the. <laughs> Whatever the the familiar language is that people put forward, anytime somebody suggests that there should be an adjustment, and and that look, these things were always wrong, but the fact that they were socially acceptable in the fifties or the sixties or the seventies doesn't mean that they should be a permanent part of the American fabric. At some point, somebody says, "You know what." this is really wrong. We shouldn't do this anymore. And, and that's what you're seeing. I mean, that's why the Washington football team has had, had to change its name because there are people who are saying, look, when we look at what's happening in this country and in terms of the, the, the clear evidence that there's a, that there's a, a racial equity problem, that social justice is still a major uh, factor you know to be considered when it comes to whether it's policing or whether it comes to um, disparities uh, income disparity poverty um, look even even this pandemic it demonstrates itself that people of color are not only getting infected at a higher rate but their mortality rate is higher and it's not because people of color are genetically inferior it isn't that you white people who might be thinking that just put that away that's not true it's that we have, we are living lives that are usually um, rife with poverty. So our general state of health is usually less because of the conditions that we live in. And not just because of conditions of choice, conditions of policy. Look, white people aren't wealthier than people of color because they are genetically superior. It's because the system is rigged towards that. I mean... Just trying to get a job if you're a person of color, just a job in general is is difficult. But trying to get a job in in some of these these higher paid uh, positions, look at look how many people of color are the, are, are CEOs of the Fortune 500 companies. There you go. It is not broken down along um, uh, racial lines. That's for sure. Look at the amount of people of color who are in in, in prisons. It, it, it's dis, it's disproportionately high for people of color. All of the the um, the stats that you don't want attributed to you as a people are disproportionately attributed to people of color. Suicide, um, uh, substance abuse, uh, dropping out of high school, teen pregnancy, depression, poverty. Every one of those things that you don't want to be attributed to your group are attributed to your group if you're a people of color. Um, sexual abuse, violence, crime, 
victims of crime. Now, I don't mean I don't mean just everybody says, oh yeah, it's, 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 people of color they're all they're all you know criminals. No, we become the victims. And and don't give me this black on black or native on native crime stuff. It 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 doesn't break down the way you think it does. So when you when you understand that there's so much inequity in in the United States, eventually it starts to um, come back to the pocketbook, right? And so when you start seeing financial interests like FedEx or Amazon or Walmart or Target or Nike saying, you know, we can't continue to support this. Now, all of a sudden, you, you see how what's happening on the streets becomes a financial issue. And it finally affects things. You know, like I said, unfortunately, when it comes to high schools, it, it's, it's slower. You know, what happens in, in little towns you have a certain class of, of the people in a, in a, in a village, and especially in these rural areas, who never leave. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with growing up in a, in, a, in a community and living your whole life there. The problem is if you don't have much diversity in that community, you are not very aware of what the rest of the world thinks. Or you don't care what the rest of the world thinks. So the idea of having some sort of you know, social responsibility that goes beyond your community, it can be, it, it can be absent. So what happens is you have some people who either move into a community and they are sometimes surprised at some of the, you know, uh, some of the character that is, exists within, you know, some of the people in that community, or you leave your community, you go off and you go to college, or maybe you, you know, have a career someplace else and you come back to your hometown and then you realize really nothing's changed here. They're still doing this or they're still doing that. And so this is where the tension starts to exist within some of these communities. The, and, and that tension oftentimes does bring about change. Look, when I went out to Cambridge Central School in Cambridge, New York, which is out on the eastern part of the state, I went out there fully expecting that I was going to, you know, just piss off everybody. <laughs> But I'm actually surprised at the amount of support that I have. Of course, I the one the voices that are out there that are making the noise the loudest, the ones who are screaming the loudest about save our mascot, they're kind of the people I expect them to be, the same family names that I recognize and that kind of stuff. But not all of them. Some of their kids and their grandkids and the ones who went away and came back, all of a sudden, some of the, the names that I didn't expect are saying, no, we support you. We support you. And... I, I got to admit, I'm, I'm completely surprised, pleasantly surprised. I mean, when I went out there the, uh, this, this past week, there were more people who stood up and spoke to the board in, during the public comment uh, periods uh, advocating for change than advocating for keeping the mascot. I mean, you can hear the, the emotion and the anger, the hate, if you will, in some of those other the voices that want to keep it. But everybody else is saying, no, it's time. It's past time. It's, it's time to change this thing. All right. Hey, we're at the bottom of the hour. We'll take a break uh, and come back and uh, we'll get into it a little bit more. Um, <laughs> I, I still got to get, get back to addressing this sense that people think that taking this away is erasing history. We'll talk about that when we come back. This is John Gain. This is Let's Talk Native.
All right. Thanks for coming back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. And look, I am talking a little bit about the news that broke uh, a couple of nights ago with the Cleveland baseball team dropping its name. So they will no longer at some point. And I haven't, the, the official announcement hasn't come from, you know, come out yet. But the preliminary announcements that, that hit the press did. Um, so exactly when they're going to drop Indians as their name. Look, they've already kind of moved away to some extent from the logo, the, the goofy, you know, the cartoon looks a little bit like this, only native. <laughs> um, for those of you who are listening to this as a podcast, I'm pointing to my shirt. I'm wearing a, um, a Caucasians t-shirt that has the, the kind of mocks the, the, the Cleveland <laughs> baseball team with a white guy on there. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I realize as I'm saying this and I'm pointing to my shirt and some of you may not be knowing what I'm doing here. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, such as radio and podcasts, right? Um, so anyway, the look, there were many of us who knew this was was coming. Um, but there, the, the crazy part is, and and I talked about this in the, at the at the at the first half of the show. When I hear people say, "How are my kids going to learn Native history now?" Look, if you can encapsulate all that you know about Native people based on mascots of sports teams, you're an idiot. I'm just going to say, then you are the most uninformed people on the planet because those mascots have nothing. I even heard somebody say, well, um, uh, <laughs> what happens when the Blackhawks, how are the Blackhawk Indians going to you know, be remembered? There are no Blackhawk Indians. I mean, this is, this is the ignorance. Blackhawk was the name of a chief. It wasn't a name of a, of a quote-unquote tribe. But this is the ignorance. Because while there's the Chicago Blackhawks, that must mean there was a whole group of Native people called the Blackhawks. No, that's not it. And what's happened is you become more ignorant. You become less informed. Why? Because these mascots are the erasure, not taking them away. Anybody who thinks that you, if you take away the mascots, you are erasing history. No, you might be erasing a little bit of the, of the unsavory history of a sports franchise and the racism associated with that sports franchise. And you're not really erasing it. You're saying, no, we're correcting it. We're correcting the problem. This is, again, I talked about this a couple of shows ago about this, this, uh, the misinterpretation of what cancel culture is. Cancel culture is about correcting something that's wrong. It's not, it's not necessarily about just erasing history. It isn't. In fact, it isn't about erasing history. If you're going to say, let's take down some Confederate monuments because they are inappropriate. And why would, why have them? Why would you have military bases named after Confederate, Confederate generals? I mean, that was the enemy of the United States. So by changing that and, and, and saying, and, and saying, yes, we're changing it because we have the right to cancel these things in, in, in our culture. We, need, we have the right to, to eliminate them. It doesn't erase history. In fact, cancel culture is about teaching. It's about teaching the correct history by saying we have the right to remove that. We have the right to take down these Confederate statues that, you know, that do nothing but, but promote hate and, uh, and bigotry. We have the right to remove mascots that are, uh, that are an appropriation. And let me be clear here. There are no other people used 
in this way other than Native people. Native people are singularly selected. A whole variety of names get used and a whole and, and somewhat of a variety of, of images get used. But nobody else. Name another, uh, another people. I mean, is there really a team called the Caucasians? Of course there isn't. I joke and say, well, if you really want to promote white people, why not call yourself the Aryans? Of course there's no team called Aryans. Why? Because that would be inappropriate, wouldn't it? And there's certainly not going to be a team named after black people or Jewish people or Muslim people or, you know, or, uh, or any other people. Why? Because there would be no way to do it that is appropriate. Well, there's also no way to do it with Native people that's appropriate. It's just that we've become so marginalized that it becomes this acceptable practice. Look, there's a Bugs Bunny cartoon that shows him shooting through a fort. Just And as he's shooting, he says one little, two little, three little, and marks it on the logs that he's killing Native people. One little, two little, three little Indian, he sings, as he's shooting Native people. Then he says, oh, that one was a half-breed, and he erases half the mark on the log. And you know what? That's just supposed to be funny. And that's socially acceptable. The fact that <laughs> the Oscar-winning rabbit can actually make, make fun at the, the expense of Native people. I mean, this is what has become socially acceptable by the dominant society out there. It doesn't mean that we ever accepted it. When Disney reinvents, you know, and, and tells us this ridiculous story about Pocahontas that is, couldn't be farther from the truth. And I don't care how many Native people may have been involved in, in, in the making of that cartoon. It's wrong. It's inappropriate. And, and it's exploitive. I, I mean, Native people are not only fetishized by men, you know, as far as, you know, the, the whole warrior, you know, masculine image, but native women are fetishized even worse. And, and that, that image of Pocahontas with the, you know, with the legs showing and the shoulder showing and everything. I mean, look, it is, it's, it's perverse. It's all perverse. And so we need to step up to it. And so, and we are, this isn't because we're, we're too sensitive, it's, it's because we're empowered. So let me be clear. I'm not a snowflake. I'm, I'm not weak. I'm not overly sensitive. I'm pissed. Because it's wrong. But it's always been wrong. It was wrong when Bugs Bunny was shooting, you know, through a fort, uh, uh, you know, counting up the, his kills. It was wrong then. It was wrong when, frankly, it was wrong when, when Longfellow wrote of Hiawatha, it's really Hiawatha, he appropriated uh, you know, our, our images and our, and, and our people for, for his own benefit. It was wrong with James Fenimore Cooper's take on The Last of the Mohicans. It was, it, it's wrong when any of these guys do this because they get it wrong. They get it wrong. It's wrong when Hollywood does it. It's, long, it's wrong when poets do it. And it's wrong when, when authors do it. But it's damn sure wrong when these sports franchise, sports franchises grab an image and then claim the identity. And, and there's no place that it's worse than in high schools. Because in high schools, it, it's crazy. Because, look, if, if you are a Washington football fan, you don't necessarily claim to be a Redskin. 
the Redskins are the, are the the players. So you, you that's the misappropriation and the identity problem. You are might be a fan, but when you go to high school and your mascot is are the Indians or the Savages or the Warriors, more so than any other type of mascot. Nobody carries the idea of being a bear or a panther or a cougar or an eagle with them for the rest of their freaking life. But when they do it with native people, they they want to claim that this has been transformational to them and that they are Indians and they are Redskins and they are warriors. They're not. But that's that's what happens with, with this thing. It becomes somehow embedded in them and, and, it, and it becomes this absolute, absolutely seizure of, a, of an identity. And to be clear, when I hear people say, well, it'd be wrong if we steal that Indian logo away from them. The only theft that has been taken that has taken place here was the theft that was involved with them claiming that identity in the first place. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. At the same time that sports franchises, colleges, and high schools were claiming these names for their teams, and it's almost always more geared towards the sports, but claiming it for their teams. Native kids were being whisked away from their homes, literally kidnapped, taken out of their homes, sometimes sent hundreds or thousands of miles away to these Indian boarding schools, these residential boarding schools on the U.S. and the Canadian side. And they existed for 100 freaking years from the from the mid 1800s all the way to, to the 1960s, 1970s in the, U, in the U.S. and Canada. 1990, I think, is the, the last one that was closed down on, on the Canadian side. And there, those kids were forbidden to hang on to their native identity. They were beaten. They were punished. They were killed for, uh, for trying to remain native. Because the, the whole purpose of those schools was forced assimilation. Look, I'm not just talking about coercion or convincing or some sort of just gentle psyops to uh you know you know to brainwash kids into no longer having a native identity no it was kill the indian save the man so while white white folks could play indian even and do it even as a part of their schooling not just grade school high school but college and then go on to to chant for themselves as, you know, as Redskins or, or Indians or whatever else in, in, in professional sports, Native kids were, were literally being broken in schools, having that connection to their culture broken, severed. And this was all a plan. This was a way to eliminate us. This was genocide. This was a clear example, and, and and look when you when you look at the definition of genocide, because the crazy part is this wasn't just about the psychological damage; there was physical damage going on. There was uh, there was sterilization associated with these schools. So not only do you take children away, you cut the emotional ties, you cut you you cut the, the family ties, and then you also eliminate the ability to reproduce. That's what was happening in these schools. While, while, while white kids could steal that identity. You know, I, I often talk about, about L. Frank Baum's comments when he was calling for our extermination. 
He said, why not annihilation? Their glory has fled. Their manhood has been effaced. Better they die than live the miserable wretches that they are. And then he goes on to say how in later, later days, people will forget these miserable wretches that exist here. And they'll speak in, in later, later days of the glory of the grand kings of the forest and the plain. I mean, so we will wipe out what native people are and then we'll recreate and lift up and say, this is what they are. Hollywood will tell us what they are. You know, the cartoons will tell us what they are. The internet will tell us what sports mascots will tell us what they are. And then when you take it away, you, you literally have people that are so ignorant on this issue. They say, well, if you take that away, how am I going to know anything about native people? As if they learned anything from that. As if any part of being a sports mascot teaches you something about, uh, you know, about those dehumanized objects. And that's what they are. They're objects. I mean, it is the definition of, of objectification. Now, here's the other thing that, that I want to address. Because there is some very good reasons why within this year, both the Washington football team and the Cleveland baseball team have bailed on these so firmly entrenched names and images. There, I mean, and, and there are two major factors contributing to this thing. One is the, the Black Lives Matter movement, the, the call for social justice, that whole racial equity pressure that's been put on. That's one. That's only one. The other is the pandemic. The pandemic is not a reason not to, to change this. I know I just threw a lot of negatives in there. <laughs> this is the reason to change it. Why? Because look, you've already had your seasons disrupted. You've already had your merchandise sales disrupted. You have sports fans who are just desperately clinging to these teams that they continue to exist, that the games still be played. The, the football games happen. The baseball games happen. The hockey games happen. They, they are so desperate to have their seasons if they have to have their seasons with a different name on their team, so yeah, Chicago, change your freaking name. And you know what? Atlanta, baseball, you should change your name too. So part of the reason that, and again, the two that, are, that are, have always grabbed the most attention has been the Washington football team because their name was a, a, a clear racial slur. And the, and the, and the Cleveland baseball team, for two reasons. One, the word is inappropriate. It's a misnomer. It's a mistake by Christopher Columbus five, you know, five centuries ago. We don't call ourselves, quote unquote, Indians anymore. And you don't even call us that anymore. All of the, all the, the, the government forms where there's any kind of, you know, please check the box for your race. There's none that say Indians. Why? Because we're not called that anymore. We should, never should have been in the first place, but we're not anymore. So the word's wrong. But the other biggest problem with Cleveland was, was they made such a mockery of the native image. Their, you know, their cartoon logo, their caricature. I mean, it is, it's, it's buffoonish. I mean, it is, it is just classically wrong because there is no part of that logo that is in any way, shape, or form um, could be looked at as any, any kind of compliment. Oh, it's meant to be amusing because that's what this is. 
any of the these sports franchises or, or school, you know, you know, schools, they're grabbing our image for their amusement and entertainment. I mean, the whole idea is to mock us and and to be and and to enjoy it. The idea of white people or or black people for that matter, people not native people playing Indian, it's for enjoyment. It's for entertainment. It isn't to to broaden your knowledge about native people. Not even close. But this pandemic and this new call, and I say new call because look, we haven't had this much pressure towards you know to, to fighting for social justice. Look, there's been protests in the streets after Freddie Gray and and, and uh, Michael Brown and Eric Garner. Look, these things this has been building up for years. But this year with the murder of George Floyd and the, and the killing of Breonna Taylor, it it reached a point. It reached a point that people said hell no, no more. And and Black Lives Matter really got its legs underneath it. And those of us who are in the activist community said, I'm using that calling card too. Black Lives Matter matters to me too. And I didn't have to change it. I didn't have to, didn't have to say Native Lives Matter. I didn't have to say All Lives Matter. None of, that, none of that BS, no. I could look at and say, I can stand with Black Lives Matter because that impacts me. And clearly it has. I mean, if you, if you were to suggest to anybody, we're going we're gonna, to you know, stand with Black Lives Matter and we're going to see the Washington football team and, and the Cleveland baseball team change his name, most people may not have been able to put those things together. But some of us did. Some of us said, we don't need to appropriate that movement. We need to join that movement because we will be beneficiaries of it. I mean, the same with civil rights. I, I wasn't, for me, the civil rights movement wasn't the same thing as the sovereignty movement. But I could still support the civil rights movement. I can still support the poor people's campaign, even if some of it doesn't necessarily apply to me. But there, there is some that does apply to me. So, I look, I can fight for LGBTQ uh, rights, not because I'm a part of that community, but because I will be the beneficiary of, of making people more woke about these issues. When you stand up for the people who are marginalized, even if the, you're not a part of that marginalized group, all marginalized groups benefit from it. That's, I mean, this, this year demonstrated that. So when you ask, why now for Washington? Why now for Cleveland? I'll tell you, the two things that converge is both the pandemic and this call for social justice. Which is exactly the reason that more high schools, you know, I, I saw some stats that suggested that half of all of the schools that have changed their, their mascot in the last 10 years did it within the, uh, since 2019. So in really not just this year, you know, mostly this year, but going back to, you know, going back to 2019. And we, we've seen it, like I said, out in Connecticut, Farmington, um, last Monday <laughs> uh, voted unanimously to, to retire the Indians. Uh, you know, other, uh, what were the other teams? Um, uh, Manchester, and this was a year ago. So this, this was June of, of uh, 2019. They voted unanimously to retire their Indians. That's all, this is all in Connecticut. Guilford, Guilford, uh, uh, Connecticut. That was this summer. 
June of, of, of this past summer. They retired. Then. And then in August, the Glastonbury Tomahawks retired their name. And it's funny because some of those people in Glastonbury says, well, we're probably safe because we're, we're not, you know, it's no, there's nothing derogatory about Tomahawks. Well, I had a few people call me. I, I First, a couple of former students and one of the board members he says, well, what's your feeling on the Tomahawks? I says, well, here's the problem. Tomahawk isn't a, isn't a hatchet. It's not, it's not an axe. It's not a hammer. It's a war club. So if you're going to use a symbol of, of the violence or even, you know, defense, I mean, whatever it is, it's still violence, of native violence as your mascot, that's problematic because who's wielding that, that tomahawk? You're not, you, know, you don't have, you know, you're not talking about George Washington ch- cutting down his cherry tree with it. I mean, let's be honest. If, you, if you're going to use the word tomahawk, then it's a native image that comes to mind. And what you're doing is you're promoting that stereotype of the native person with a war club who's going to bash somebody's skull in. I said, yeah, it's problematic. So after I had a long conversation with one of these board members who was on the task force, he said, yeah, I, I see it now. And so they voted. They voted. I mean, and it was like seven to one. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't unanimous, but it was near unanimous. And then. Last Wednesday, the, the night before I went out to um, out to Cambridge, a school in California, Fresno High, they voted um, six to one to retire their mascot, which was the Warriors, that they've had since 1928. And that's a significant vote, six to one. I mean, it's, it's near unanimous. But but this has been a debate that's been going on. So that's, I mean, that's just me giving you some some you know, some background on a few schools. I mean, there's many more that have changed since then. And of course, the Washington football team and the Cleveland baseball team. It is significant. Now, look, and I hear it all the time. Oh, why are you fighting this issue? There's so many more important issues. This is the only thing that we're we're debating. But I got to tell you, don't tell me that trying to stop another generation of white people you know, and you know, you're talking about every year another graduating class of, of kids grows up with with this idea that stereotyping of people is okay, appropriating their culture is okay, mocking them is okay. As as we fight issues, we need non-native allies on our side. How the hell are we going to grab non-native allies if they're still looking at us as if we we're these relics of the past? That we were just a period of history that has gone by. If, you know, you know, this idea of being those miserable wretches, as mom called us, that, you know, that, that we just, that we were annihilated. I mean, the myths that are associated with native people. So when people say, oh, yeah, if I don't have these mascots, I won't know anything about them. You don't know anything about us anyway. You know, and, and again, go back to my old high school. They never once gave any additional background or education or classes or, or, or shared any additional knowledge on the native people from the Cambridge area. They don't even know who they were. So when they say Indians, you say, what kind of Indians are you talking about? They couldn't even tell you. They can't tell you, well, is it Mohican? Is it Mohawk? Pequot? Huron? They can't tell you that. Why? Because they don't even really care. 
And when you look at the logo that they use, which is another stereotypical logo, it used to be one of the Plains Indian headdresses back until about 20 years ago. Then they switched it to another stereotypical image that is essentially used by dozens of other schools. And, and, and that same image is passed off as Seneca, it's passed off as Mohawk, it's passed off as Mohican, it's passed off as um, any one of the, the so-called woodland native peoples up and down the East Coast. So, so who does it represent? They can't even tell you that. Why? Because they don't care. Because they don't care about Native history. They care about grabbing onto an identity that they created, just like the logo they created. Just like the word that they created. That's, that's how minimal and, and how, how little respect Native people actually get from these places that claim that they call themselves Indians or warriors or Redskins to honor us. You don't honor us. You don't care enough to even know who the native people were that lived there, that were displaced by you. And honestly, if you really did the study, if you really checked out the history and knew what, what native people experienced, would you really want a people who were the victims of genocide to be your mascot? Really? Would you? Would you? So I want to give my props to all those people who have been on the front lines fighting this thing um, in Cleveland and Washington and every place else. The change is happening. The change is coming. And maybe, just maybe, we can finally wipe out those stereotypical images, those myths, those lies, those ridiculous cartoons and caricatures. And maybe we can teach some people some real history. Maybe we can let people know we're still here. And we're not, we're not a buck tooth cartoon on the front of a baseball cap. We're not, you know, these, these, these clip art images that you've had on your football helmets and your, and your T-shirts. No, we're real and we're here and we're going to continue to be here. Thanks for listening. I'm John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Yahweh. We will not follow what you want us. We learn in the laws you throw in upon us. You throw us in water. We notice piranhas. The people they needing a leader just know that I'm on it. I'm honest in everything that I do. Every word that I write is true. The people that get it, they know that the picture is bigger. So pull up a seat and you listen. You put in your fist in the air. You know the resistance is here. You'll hear us off in the distance. We are the kids that you dismissed. We are the targets you just missed. We are descendants of healers and chiefs Just know that our struggles are brief Just know that we one and the same I'm from the prairies, the plains I'll go my hair out until I can braid it again I'm no longer ashamed I promised our people our hardships will not go in vain You're hearing my voice and a melody carry the pain I do not do this for money your fame I just want to be me I just want to feel free Is that too much that we ask? Look to the future but learn from the past I know that sometimes we clash And it's just life Chances ain't handed out twice A man of my word and a man of advice